word. So if you guys wouldn't mind opening your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, do have them in the back. Uh, maybe somebody will hand them out to you, or you can go grab one if you'd like. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to uh, start this morning. But what I want to do before we jump into it is I want to basically say that we're starting kind of a new series. Uh, we started actually last week, so if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go to the website, check out the message. It'll help you probably get caught up to speed as to where we're at. Um, and really, the new series is called the Sermon on the Mount. When we get the Sermon on the Mount, I should say, Jesus preaches this, this sermon that's really just this amazing collection of concepts about a lot of different things, from marriage, to lust, to anxiety, to how to be happy, and all sorts of other things that really Jesus has a lot of things to say that are really from his own perspective. So what I want to do is I want to basically pray before we jump in this morning, and then we'll get to work on the larger passage. We've got a lot of stuff to cover this morning, so uh, we're going to try to move a little bit quicker than normal, and uh, hopefully you guys will watch. All right, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have spoken and that we can have in our laps and just copies of it. We can take the word, let it transform into our lives. We want to change. We want to be like you. God, we recognize um, faults, flaws, areas of brokenness in our own lives. God, we thank you that you have come to save those who are broken, who are lost. Lord, we just ask you right now that your word would speak that within our hearts, within our thinking, within our church, within our life. Even now, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Here's what's happening. Jesus has this ministry, and by the time he's around 30, he begins sort of traveling. He's sort of an itinerant preacher, going around all around a region, which is just north of Jerusalem, a place called the Sea of Galilee. With lots of peasants, lots of very poor people. And what had happened was Jesus in his ministry gathered a very large group of people. Scholars estimate between 50 or 5,000, you can say all the way, all the way up to maybe 30 to 40,000 people gathered around to listen to Jesus preach. Um, the key theme or message that Jesus preached is sort of encapsulated in chapter 4, where Jesus went, goes around, Matthew tells us, proclaiming the gospel or the good news of the kingdom of God. And what we did is we looked at that concept a little bit last week. We sort of we tried to unpackage that or unfold that larger theme and concept of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven last week. So that's why I said it's good probably for you to maybe get last week's messages. That might help provide a little bit of a uh, definition or background for you on the larger theme. Because Matthew and his gospel is really all about this larger concept of the kingdom of God. And just go over in summary, the idea is this. Jesus is going around saying, a new work is beginning to happen. The kingdom of God is here. The gospel, good news, I'm here to announce that the kingdom of God, God's reign, God's authority, God's power is beginning to unfold here, now, through me. That's Jesus' message is in short. And it opens up this larger theme that the kingdom of God is not only something that will happen now, but it's also something that will ultimately culminate with Jesus coming again. So it's sort of immediate and yet to be unfolded. And what the idea is, is that Jesus has come to announce, to proclaim that there's a new way to be human, in a sense. 
It's a new way to have a relationship with God, not according to the old covenant, which was by way of Moses, which came to Mount Sinai, which was given to a nation, which was called the Jews. But this new covenant will be through Jesus. It will be through all people. But it's a new way. It's not so much in terms of being external, meaning what you do, uh, the types of uh, religious activities you perform, or the types of sacrifices you bring, or the type of incense that gets burned. It's really going to be something that's going to be done in terms of a transformation inwardly, which is exactly what was mentioned by the prophet Jeremiah when he says he's going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel. Not a covenant of old that was once written upon tablets of stone, but a new covenant that would be written upon their hearts. It's this new type of covenant that Jesus is upholding that Matthew chronicles for us is a covenant that is inward, that affects the way that we think. It affects the way that we consider things. It affects the way that we, we understand the matrix by which we see things, the lens by which we comprehend the world in which we live. It changes our desire. It changes the way that we interface with other people. This is the type of covenant that's happening. And sort of what's, what's unfolding here is Jesus, in what's called the Beatitudes, which is basically the first you know, 11 or so verses of Matthew chapter 5, is he's giving to us sort of uh, what this covenant looks like in a person that is having the Spirit of God come upon them. Their life changes. Rather than being a type of person in this world, the way this world system works, the way this, the matrix of this world works, is that if you're going to become big and popular and somehow uh, gain pleasant possessions, how do you get there? I mean, how did Donald Trump get to be, get to, you know, owning a lot of New York City? All right? How did that happen? Was it by being generous and being like, oh, Generosity and mercy. I mean, was he like walking up to people and be like, you know what? Yeah, you're a really nice guy. I want you to give me three bucks. Like, you know, generally not how this world works. The way this world works, the way that you advance yourself, the way that you move ahead, the way that you get possessions, the way that you build your kingdom, oftentimes boils down to force, conniving, right? Or you get a bodyguard who does your bidding for you, right? You figure out ways that are weak, and you step on them until they don't breathe anymore, and then you take their land, right? So all I'm simply trying to say is this is the way life has been for the past thousands of years. And really, it's not that much different in the culture in which we live today. We've just become more sanitized, right? We do things with a little bit more finesse. We're cleaner, right? We call our companies like AIG, all right? It's a little bit different in today's world, okay? That's all I'm trying to say, is that the bottom line is, is that the root of who we are is corruption. And Jesus comes and he announces a new kingdom, a new way, a new way to have a relationship with God, a new way to think about things, a new way to think about relationships with other people, a new way to think about your involvement in civil life, in community, in this world, a new way to think. Let us enter the world, the earth, the new covenant with me. 
change us, morph us into his image. That's the idea. Uh, Paul uses images of it in this chapter. He says, you know, we look to Christ. He says, by looking to him, we are being changed from glory to glory into the image of God. The idea is this. When we look at God, we're changed. We become like Christ. The goal, the ultimate goal of the church is not to somehow become
hard to find ourselves embracing today. We find ourselves buried in the burdens that are just constantly pushing us down, pressuring us. And a peacemaker takes all of these things that they think they have to work with and work together with exceptional confidence to work for the good of others. Yes, I do that sometimes. And as I was 
believers. He goes on, verse 13, he wants to communicate that people who live like this are really live like this. Even though they'll be persecuted, even though hardship will come, what will happen is those who genuinely live like this, who take this seriously, who understand what it means, who count the cost, who recognize it, they will have an impact upon the culture. It might not be immediate, it might not be very visible at the moment, but here's the impact that Jesus says. Take our hands off of the earth, just back away. Who cares if this is 
persecuted, and literally overnight, basically Constantine sends this edict all around, and the whole nation is innocent, more or less, or less than more, um, to Christianity. And what's happened through that is sort of that evolved and sort of into the Roman Catholic Church, which spread throughout the whole world, this idea of kind of um, Christendom. We understand this Christendom. I don't want to use the word Christendom because I think sometimes it, it, it gathers uh, not accurate thoughts, but I want to use the term Constantinianism. The idea where somehow the way that we shine forth brightly as light, the way that we demonstrate basically our saltiness to this world by Christians taking over the public sector, by getting involved in politics, and essentially exercising God's rule throughout the entire world. Throughout public, and the laws become essentially God's law. And I'm going to call that Constantinianism. The problem with that is what ends up happening is in order for, for that to continue to move forward, you have to somehow use some sort of means to bring correction where it goes off base. So let's say you got a province in your entire kingdom of Christendom or Constantinianism that decides to vote for profit. What are you going to do? Well, if you have power, and your role or your goal is to somehow exercise control as the voice of God on the planet, and these people are not listening, they don't want to capitulate to your rule or to the Bible, the way that history has done this is they go kill them. Yeah. 
back out. What I'm trying to say is I don't think that was Jesus' intention, nor do I think Constantinianism was Jesus' intention. Certainly secularism was not Jesus' intention. So what is the proper concept? How do we reconcile all these
where you capitulate to the culture and you become like the culture, whereby your life is knocked out, but nor do you go to the opposite, opposite extreme and you pull away from the culture where your life is not affected. You stay in the culture, but don't embrace it. You be salt and light and bring change. Satisfied. 